0: this is week number four of the series from this day forward if you have a bible go with me to first corinthians 13 how many of you have heard first corinthians 13 given at a wedding yeah yeah rarely do they have the judgment call of god on the you know the wedding uh day right yes in the in the day there'll be evil spirits among you they save that for divorce court those scriptures right yeah I want to talk with you today about what it means to be in a relationship for keeps. So God, help us with your word today, and to hear it, and to hear it for what it says. And may we take it to heart, and from this day forward, be better Christians of yours, better children of yours, and um, can't be better Christians because we're washed in the blood. So maybe we behave, though, like kids you'd be proud of, we pray. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm in 1 Corinthians 13, if you have the Bible, keep moving to the back, to Galatians 6. We'll pick up a passage there at the back end of the message. I want to talk about, um, from this day forward, what it means to, to persevere in the relationship. And to have and to hold, from this day forward, you've heard these phrases, for better, for worse, hopefully for better, right? For richer, for poorer, hopefully for richer. In sickness and in health, hopefully for health. Uh, and then that last phrase till death do us part remember those phrases yeah yeah I heard uh, uh, Ruth Graham on the radio on focus on the family radio a number of years ago this is the wife of, of Reverend Billy Graham who just died recently and and uh and Dr. Dobson was interviewing Mrs. Graham, who's just an angel. But, she, but what you don't know is that while Billy's out saving the world, she's at home trying to keep four kids in line. You know. And so Dr. Dobson, who's you know, all about family, says, was that, was that hard on your family? She said, yeah, it was hard on her family. It was tough. And uh, the kids were acting up. In fact, Franklin, who you know Franklin's... Uh, a very prominent Christian leader today. He was so bad that one time Mrs. Graham put him in the trunk of the car, threw him in the trunk of the car and took him home. Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, but I think he deserved it. You know, he was just, he was just a, a, a cantankerous little kid who grew up to be a cantankerous big kid. I mean, it makes a difference today. So Dr. Dobson asked Mrs. Graham, um, did you two ever talk divorce? She said, no, we never did. She said, we talk death. I will kill you if you do that again. But we never talk divorce. Till death do us part. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm encouraged by this because I, I think about, about, of all the things in society, what should last? And this marriage covenant should be one of those. And here's the issue, though, with our culture. It's not unusual for us in the room for have over a 50 year working time for you, you might have six or eight or 10 different jobs. But what's new to the US in, in our generation is that people don't just have three, four, five, six, eight, ten 10 jobs over the course of their working career. What we have now are people who have different careers, not just different jobs, but different careers. They'll have two or three different whole careers, which is that an accountant becomes a nurse or a technician becomes an artist, and so what happens is this, we're used to the, the speed at which change happens, and that started in the 1970s and 80s, and when that happened, what, what we predicted was this, was um, sociologists predicted with, with the rise of the computer is that our work weeks would go from 40 hours down to 30 which once again proves just how foolish we can be. (laughs) Our hours have not diminished. They've actually gotten more intense, haven't they? But the change has increased its speed at which we gain information, and then what that does is it produces change within us. But there are some things that just don't change, nor should they change. And one of those things that will never, ever, ever change is God's love for you okay don't ever lose sight of that that god loves you with an everlasting love he proves it over and over again he says it in his word but he demonstrates it over and over again it's unrelenting there's no throttle there's no cruise control to it it is full speed all the time and you cannot you cannot have a god in heaven who loves you more and he will not love you less his commitment to you is that that he wants to love you all the way until you get to heaven so he wants you to trust him and here's dear son but as you trust him and get ready for heaven, he wants you to love like he loves as well. Jeremiah says that the Lord loves us with an everlasting kind of love. And John said it this way, when he quoted Jesus, Jesus said, I, I love you and I want you to love each other the way I love you. And so what, what God wants for us is what the, the Proverbs, um, Solomon wrote, Proverbs chapter 5. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May you rejoice. May you look at her and say, she's still 26. Yeah. I I can't remember where I put my teeth, but she reminds me of when I was 26. I remember hearing Ken Davis, who's a great dynamic communicator. Uh, He said, I I stood before an audience, and he said, I told them, I'm proud to tell you that I've been married 45 glorious years. And the crowd just, you know, claps, wonderful. And then when the claps, died down, he goes, to seven different women. <laughs> but, but here's the problem with, with what Ken said was this. It's that even though that's funny, uh, that is because we're so used to change that's what's happened with our culture the chances of your marriage making it are just over half about 41 percent of first marriages fail 41 percent and 60 percent of second chances second marriages and 60 i'm sorry 60 percent fail so you have a higher chance of failing the second time and 73 percent of third-time marriages. So when I have a couple in my office and I'm saying to them, you just, you need to get married. You're living together. Get married. They say, I don't want to get married. Why? Because I know how this is going to end. I kind of understand how they're thinking now. Because they've been through this and they don't want to be torn asunder or torn apart again or torn up again. Because it's so difficult. And the, and the change happens so quickly in our, in our Uh, relationships in fact that's why some vows are moving to away from till death do us part it's and they're saying now i will stay with you as long as we both shall love not as long as we both shall live but god has a better plan it's this unfailing kind of love because uh, let's be honest anyone can fall in love but you have to work at it to stay in love in order to stay in love you have to make the right choices i love what martin luther said about 500 years ago this this is a great turn phrase let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. Isn't that sweet? Paul would describe that love, 1 Corinthians 13. I want to give you just one verse, that this love, verse 7, it always protects. Verse 7, it always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That's the kind of love. That's the kind of love I want. I want that, but I have to give that kind of love. And you know what the word is that shows up the most in that verse? Always, always. So, lasting love, first of all, will always protect. That implies that it will hang in there, that it will bear through the tough times. In fact, uh, commentaries say it this way, it will bear it up in silence, It'll, it'll hang on, And not nag about it or not even speak about it as if it were a burden. No, it's not a burden. They don't even talk about it as a burden. It implies hanging in there with endurance. So we're devoted to one another, Romans chapter 12, in love. And we honor one another. And that's a choice that we make. It's a choice that we have to make. And there's a double layer to that meaning when it says it always protects. It not only protects in the sense of defense or shields or guards. But it means that it will fight for the marriage. We'll fight for the marriage. We will, we will be defensive for it, but it also means I will endure whatever the bump in the road is, I will endure that. Sometimes it's a matter of just hanging on when the person that you're married to is going through a rough patch. And so then you will always protect. Secondly, this is the kind of love that not only protects, but this is the kind of love, lasting love will always trust. Which implies that we will believe the best in the person. We'll be loyal to the person. Proverbs chapter 17, whoever would foster love covers an offense. Whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. So We, we don't even talk about the problems. We, we keep them at a distance. Why? Not that we're living in denial, but this is not stuff we just talk about. No, very few people need to know that business. This is between us. So we keep that to us. Because we we trust each other. In fact, when you trust, then you can be more open. Why? Because you know that you'll be protected. Does that make sense? These kind of roll on top of each other or stumble like a waterfall. If you have that protection, it's a safe place that you can trust. You can be transparent. And then you can be more intimate with your spouse. You can say, I'm really worried about the future. I'm worried about our kids or, or your parents or my parents or what the future holds or our job security or that our our love will grow stale it's okay to say that when you trust each other see that's the kind of transparency that you want and you want to trust god for sure but you want to take risk that you trust the partner so then the the relationship in that trusting relationship really will blossom uh, the sociologist tells us there's really three kinds of people in the world when we talk about trust there's the number one person there's the gullible <laughs> i love those people they make cheap sales you know, profitable for companies. The gullible person, the cynical person, and the loving, trusting person. The gullible person believes anything and be, can become manipulated. You all know people like that. Um, but then there's the second person. It's the cynical person. It's the person that's at the other end. And they trust no one. There are walls up everywhere. And so what Paul is saying to, to us is this. When you were trusting, we are trustworthy people but we're also willing to trust, we're also willing to give the benefit of the doubt to the person when we're in doubt. We give the benefit of the doubt. We believe the best, we hope the best. In fact, Paul will say that even in the text, this text of 1 Corinthians 13. Interesting study done in the University of Connecticut a number of years ago, historic study. Um, Let let me back that up and just tell you, there was an NPR, uh, National Public Radio piece, it's called a TED Talk, And they were talking about this trust and consequences in the TED Talk. And um, the guest that they brought in, it's really quite fascinating, the guest they brought in for the TED Talk was an orchestra director. Uh, Where is this going? Well, they were talking about this very issue of trust and then the consequences of trust. And the orchestra director said, he said, well, here's our problem today, contemporary bands if you, you can go to any uh, concert hall and these contemporary bands you know how they all have an ear plug in them and he goes there's a everybody knows every member in the band's got a click track i don't know if you knew that or not so they can't get off <laughs> uh, it, it's going to put the noise the tone it's going to put the song in their ear. so when they they mount, they open their mouth they're in the right spot at the right time they can't make a mistake so what it does is when you go to these live venue concerts you're actually getting a kind of a a voiceover of what actually happened in the studio but by doing that you lower the chances of making a mistake but he said let me tell you about orchestra playing orchestra playing is i raise my hands and i have a stick and the only thing i trust is that if i move a lot of air around they'll follow me that's trust how many of you played in a band or an orchestra growing up yeah how many of you were always like a quarter of a note behind because you weren't sure others were gonna come in? Yeah, how many of you didn't have your horn or your mouthpiece most days, you just sat there? Yeah. How many of you are disgusted by the people who came in a quarter of a note late? Yeah, yeah. You know how bands will get behind? Yeah, because why? The, the band director, what he's doing, he's, he's slicing cheese as fast as he can slice it, hoping that the band will keep up, right? And that's all he can do because he doesn't have the click track. And you have to trust the conductor that when he does this, that's the breathe in mark, and when he drops it, that you're coming in, and that the other buddies up and down the row are coming in with you. That's trust, that is trust. So the University of Connecticut ran a similar study in that discussion, similar study, a number of years ago. And uh, the name's Dr. Julian uh, Rotter. And uh, this guy was in school and had just finished grad school in psychology when World War II broke out. And <laughs> I think it's funny what the Army does. They take him out of psych school, he's going to become a, a, an educational professor, and they make him a, uh, an officer and give him a tank. <laughs> that lasted like 10 weeks, you know, you're not built for a tank. They pulled him out and said, how about if you just do trauma? transparency and do a lot of training with the troops, which is a way better fit for Dr. Rotter. He would go on to teach at Ohio State University and then uh, University of Connecticut. And the, the conclusion they came to after all the research was this about trust. I mean, just, I'm gonna read it for you. People who trust are less likely to lie and are possibly less likely to cheat or steal. Isn't that interesting? They are more likely to give others a second chance and to respect the rights of others. The higher the truster is, the, uh, the, the, high, the high truster, I'm sorry, the high truster is less likely to be unhappy. The, the high truster is less likely to be unhappy, conflicted, or maladjusted, and is liked more and sought out more as a friend, both by low trusting and high trusting others. Isn't that interesting? It confirms what the Bible has said in the Proverbs and now in Corinthians that love is trusting, it is trustworthy, it always trusts, it just confirms it in the sciences. Trust is not only good for the person who's being trusted, it's good for the truster as well. The research underscores what God's been saying all along. And you know what, when you don't have a lot of trust, it's it's more difficult. Uh, It's more difficult to get anything done Jesus was in a city. Mark chapter 6 tells this story. Jesus is in a city and it says about it he didn't do a whole lot of miracles. Why? And they said because there wasn't a lot of faith there. Now was there any problem with Jesus? No. What was the problem? The problem was the people. They just didn't believe. And so he went okay then you get what you got. But if you would just believe me that, you know, you, you, you know, on another hillside, he fed everybody. They all went home with like backpacks of food. Can you imagine if we had just trusted a little more? But you know that's true in business and in marriage, in the community and at home. You know it's true. When relationships are trusting, you tend to make more progress. And when there's not trust, you tend to stall out. In fact, many, many people just stop altogether and they, they put a hold button on the relationship. They just put a pause on it. Why? Because we're not sure where this is going. So you, you, there's a time when, when, you in your relationship where you say, okay, I have to not only trust and believe the best and hope the best, I, I, I have to have faith not only in God, but I need to have faith in my spouse that they're going to do the right thing. I believe the best in them and for them. Uh, on a personal note, that's one of the gifts Wanda gives to me. She uh, she trusts me, but more than trusts me, and trust is re- huge. She also believes in me, and I couldn't do what I do if she didn't believe in me. If I went home and she went, well, it was okay. Whew! I'm looking for a job where I have to work weekends. You know, that would be a signal to me. But uh, she chooses to not only trust me but to believe in me. And that helps me, and at times, it can, and by the way, if she could trust me and it not turn out okay, she'd be okay. I trusted you and it didn't turn out okay, but you know what? We were together in this. She doesn't turn that on me. And because she believes in me, I, I tend to pay attention more to what she says because I know she's out for my best good. I hope you catch that. Um, uh, Coaches do this all the time. If you'll watch any sport right now, um, NCAA basketball is up and down the court, and, and a guy will blow a play, and a bad coach will rip that guy out and bench him, and a good coach will say, do that play again and stuff it this time. And he'll actually put the same player back in who just blew it, and he'll have him score, and by doing that, he'll be saying to the team, I trust you and I trust that guy, and you can do this. I'm going to give you another opportunity. So, lasting love will not only always protect, but it will always trust, and it will, thirdly, always hope. Always hope. Um, lasting love that always hopes will be steadfast during even the difficult seasons or the uncharted seasons, it will not fade. It'll have a buoyancy to it because we hope. Because why? Because we trust. And why do we trust? Because we protect. You see how these tumble on each other? They just expect the best, and people will rise to the occasion because we have highest hopes. First Peter chapter 3, the holy women of the past... Where did they put their hope? By the way, their hope was in the Lord. And why did they why did they put their hope in the Lord? Because they trusted the Lord. And by the way, if you're in an untrustworthy relationship that's hurtful and harmful and you're not sure you can trust, where do you lean into? You need to lean into the Lord, First Peter chapter 3. Just tighten right into the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm married. I'm in this. I don't want to ruin this. I don't want to ruin this for the family or the the legacy, therefore I'm leaning in on you because my spouse, my wife, my husband, is not a Christ follower, does not believe, is not patient or or kind or loving, so I lean in on you. Put your faith in the Lord. Now that person who always hopes they will add a lightness to the relationship, they'll add light and remedy and solution to the relationship. Um, there's a best-selling author by the name of Bruce Wilkinson who uh, lived in Portland, Oregon area. Um, Bruce wrote a best book called The Prayer of Jabez. If you've not read the book, it's a great book. Small book, but great book about a guy in the Old Testament, Jabez, who prayed. Good book. But, but Bruce Wilkinson's job actually was to teach at a small school in Portland called Multnomah School of the Bible. Well, when he was first hired on at Multnomah, <laughs> he's the freshman, he's the new professor. So they give him the classes nobody wants. So they, they, the dean brings him in and says, I'm gonna give you two English classes. These are advanced students. These are, uh, these are advanced students and these, these students excel, and so you're gonna to have to drive them hard. And, um, but we expect high grades from them, but you need to push them. And so um, since they had advanced placement, uh, Bruce went home and started studying to make sure his lessons were sharp and good. And uh, he he worked them hard. He graded hard. He pushed them hard at every class period. And at the end of the semester, uh, the grades came in, and the Christmas break was coming on him. And he was just relieved to get through. And he was surprised because every student in both of these classes, and this, the classes were full, every student got A's and B's. And and that just that's remarkable he was in the teacher's lounge with uh, you know a typical teacher's lounge at, at the university and he had a stack of papers he goes this is amazing and I, I hope to get these kids again and I, I want to teach another another advanced English class another prof looked at him and said what and he said well, what class are you teaching? He goes I'm teaching advanced English it's advanced placement English and they said Bruce we, we don't we don't have advanced placement English this is this is Multnomah School of the Bible. We just have plain old English. He went down the hall to the dean and said, I thought you said these were advanced placements. He goes, yeah, I wanted them to do well. The trick was on Bruce. Did you get this? He had expected so much from those students. Do you know what happened? They produced. And so did Bruce. <laughs> and the dean was happy. And all was well. Understand this, if you expect the best from your spouse and you invest that and work at it hard with highest hopes, you will have not only a relationship that protects and trusts, but you'll have a relationship that just brings out the best. You'll have the highest hopes for them because you know what their potential is. You know what their potential is. Number four, lasting love also perseveres. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 4. Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers the multitude of sins. You know, you're not going to be in a perfect relationship. The only perfect relationship is one you just don't know much about. Right? It's just, it's, they're just you know, flying high over the, the landscape. It, the, it always looks great, doesn't it? But when you're in it, it implies that you, you endure things and you never, ever give up. You persevere. You persevere, not just on the easy days, because that's not hard. It's when you persevere when they're tough. You're persistent, determined, stubborn, if you will. And you never look back. You don't go back. You always move what we just sang forward, always pressing forward. Uh, one wise person put it this way A successful marriage requires falling in love many times, always with the same person. It's good. Falling in love many times. Because there'll be moments you think, what did I get myself into? Let me tell you, when you think that thought, let me give you a little insight. By the time you think that thought, your spouse has already thought it, okay? Because when it dawns on you, like, what did I get myself into? I'll bet she's thinking that too. And, and it's easier to get out of it in the short term, but it's longer and more regretful, and in, in in, easier to get out of it in the short term but it's, it's, it's harder to stay in it, but better in the long haul, and fewer regrets in the long haul. It's more rewarding to just simply work through the issues and stay at it. It really is a mindset thing. And this is where c- culture has played us a trick. Because the mindset today is just to flip from one to another to another to another, and once you start to do that, it's easier to do it again and do it again. Um, uh, here's the thing. In Jesus' day, when Paul writes this in Corinthians, love will always persevere. He was in a culture, and, and the Roman Empire was part of this, and Israel was a part of it, but Greece was a part, Northern Africa, Libya, Egypt. Um, males were what counted. Females did not count. Just I'm, I'm not telling you what it ought to be, I'm just telling you the way it was. Okay? And so, uh, women were not only married but they were married and treated like property and a guy would hold in his pocket the marriage certificate and and if things got a little bad he could just pull it out and, and go like that do you want me to throw this down you want me to, you want me to because I can do this in a moment and there are cultures today that have a three stone divorce and what it is is this is they throw a stone down go I divorce you throw a stone down, I divorce you I divorce you and it's over And so if a husband and wife have a fight, if you see the guy pick up a stone, he's not gonna stone his wife. He's gonna throw the stones at her feet. And that means the relationship's over. The problem with this is, is the woman had nowhere to go, no rights, no place to be. That night she was homeless. She did whatever you could do to save the relationship. And so people would walk up to Jesus and say, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus essentially says in our day, in our wording, you had the wrong mindset. Because he says, it wasn't that way in the beginning. You were to leave your mother and your father. You're to cling to her. Cling to her. And, and don't tear that thing apart. And, and the, the words he uses is, are like this this is, if I were to take these two sheets of paper and put some glue on it and then glue it together, right? And then wait a day, that's, that's these two are united now if i said to you now pull those apart you could pull them apart and what would you do in the process it would all be torn do you understand the word pictures now you're not going to get this without being scathed or damaged or totally destroyed both pieces neither piece is going to be useful why because you were made one flesh and jesus is saying you have the wrong mindset here people can you divorce? There are biblical times when you, when you divorce, but even when you have the right to, it doesn't mean you have to, okay? Even when you have the right to, it doesn't mean you have to. I'm reminded of a minister who was counseling a couple and the couple had had immorality in it. The guy had had an affair and he wanted to make it right. He was working on it with the wife, but the wife had lost all trust, which I would understand. The whole way through, she is not trusting. She can't let it go, will not forgive. And so it's just the relationship's not going anywhere. And after six months, it, the, the minister's working hard, and he's giving every bit of the counseling uh, advice he can, and the lady just won't bend. And finally she walks in at the end of six months and says, Pastor, thank you for trying, but it's just not going to work. I'm leaving him. I'm filing the papers. We're divorcing. He said, I'm sorry to hear that. If there's a way I can serve you in the future, just let me know. And he tries to be as kind as he can be. As she's leaving, she says, by the way, um, do you know of anybody who does addiction recovery? And um, the pastor says, yeah, we have a couple of small groups. And we have a recovery that meets on Friday nights. And he began to explain what recovery is like. And he goes, I'm interested. Why are you asking? She said, well, I have this loser brother. And for 20 years... I've been sending him like a thousand dollars a month because he's got recovery issues and he keeps falling off and then coming back and I help him and I help him get a job and then he lands in jail and I bail him out. Then he lives, he's homeless, he lives in our basement and then we got him started and got him in an apartment, get him a job and he's good for a while and then he goes back under and, and the pastor's listening to this going, do you hear what you're saying? You are very committed to your brother why are you that committed to him and you're not that committed to your husband and she said oh it's easy he's my brother (laughs) and the minister holds up the two papers like are you not one you get this it's the kind of persevering that you want so even when your spouse does something that's worthy of just a walk away make it persevere make it last if at all possible you can make it last It'd be better to work through that and come out the other side of it than to just bail and bail too early. Now, um, one of the issues that we have is this. We look at the marriage, and part of this is again the, the, the U.S. culture. We look at the marriage as a contract because in the state of Maryland, for instance, the state of Maryland wants you to marry but they want you to fill out a form and when you fill out that form what are they caring about? They ask you do you love each other? Will you respect each other? Will you help each other? Will you be kind to each other? No, they don't care. Do you know what they want to know? Who's gonna pay your bill if you file bankruptcy? That's, That's what the state wants to know. Are you financially liable? And what that is is that's called a contract. Does that make sense? And what's happened is this. In our culture we have moved in marriages, from being a covenant to being simply a contract. Now, a covenant is uh, profoundly different. A covenant means I am in this because I want to be, and it's based upon mutual commitment, not on mutual distrust. Um, let me illustrate this a little better by saying a, co- uh, a contract. You're, you, if you're if you're bought a house. I don't know if anybody that goes to the bank and says, okay, we bought this house, we bought this house 20 years ago, and we are on the 30-year plan to pay off this house, but we paid ahead, and in 20 years, we paid off our house. And this bank that loaned us money, um, we just love them, even though we're under contract with them, we just love them. They're just, it's a really good bank, and, and, um, and so now that we're done paying for the house and we got the mortgage, we just love them so much, we just want to keep making payments. In fact, uh, in fact, when we paid off the house, we sent them flowers. And does a bank ever get flowers from people who paid off their house? No, they don't. You don't ever go in a bank and go, where'd you get that? Well, it's from an appreciative people. We charged him 5% interest, but when he lost his job, we jumped it to 19%. Oh, is that what you do? And he said, thanks for keeping the loan and for stiffing me in the back when I was down. Yeah. Is there a credit card company in the world that gets love notes? If there is, I've not heard of it yet, although I have heard of credit companies who've gotten bad notes, right? That's why is that? That's a contract. Now take that and go, conversely, let me take you into a hospital and go down the hall to the hospital, go to the third floor, go to the nurse's station. And when you're talking to the nurse, look down at her desk. You know what will be there? A box of chocolates. And the nurse will hold them out and go, here, have one or four. And I'll go, and I couldn't take four. Okay, four, I'll take four. And then they'll say, that's okay, because I have another box down below. I go, where'd you get that? Well, we saved this guy's life, and he comes by here every so often, and drops chocolates to us. And you think I'm making it, I'm not. Doctors will tell you that I have boxes of chocolates stuck everywhere in their offices. Do you know why? They're so appreciative. Why? Because you saved my life and they weren't in it for the money Do you know what they were in it for the covenant they were trying to do the best they could and the nurses were doing the best they could occasionally i'll go to intensive care and there'll be flowers outside of intensive care do you know why because they don't want flowers inside because they don't they don't want the pollen They're trying to keep it but but someone will want to say thank you to the people who are there isn't that cool that's the difference between a contract and a covenant Now, let me give you the points real quickly. It's mutual commitment. You see it? And it's not commitment as long as we both shall love. It's commitment as long as we both shall live. Okay? And, And when it comes to power, it's I'm giving up my power or I'm protecting it. This goes in the face of the entitlement that we see today. The person says, well, I married her but I deserve better. Mm, No, not so much. You don't deserve anything, that's the truth. So it's giving up the rights instead of protecting the rights. That's what a contract does is protect. And the outcome is I want this for the good of the other person, not for my own personal good. So when you love, it's not even for your own satisfaction, it's to be loving to them. It's not what you take from the relationship, it's what you put into it, what you bring, and you pour into that relationship without stopping. That's what a covenant does. So, from this day forward, here are three conclusions I want us to draw, and then we're going to pray. Number one, I'm going to honor God in everything, Uh, just in everything, because I know unless the Lord builds our home, no matter what we do, it won't matter. No matter what we do, it will not matter if the Lord isn't in this. And, and right now you're saying, oh, I'm married to a girl or I'm married to a guy and they don't trust Jesus. You know what? You have to pray for them and over them. You do what you can do and you lean in hard with the Lord and you, you trust him in a great way, but you just say, as far as I'm concerned or as much as I can handle or as much as I can control this relationship will honor the lord in everything and i cannot do this on my own so i need the lord's help secondly from this day forward we will make the choice to love over all these virtues we put on love you put it on like a coat you choose to put it on and that's what binds us together or holds us together love is a choice it is not a feeling The actions lead and the feelings will follow so ask yourself what would be the loving thing to do what's the loving action I could put on what's the loving attitude I could put on what's the loving heart that I need what does my spouse need and then ask the Lord put this in not just my action but put it in my heart to make the choice to love and then thirdly to never ever give up knowing that what we create is not just a choice of our own, but it's a legacy for the future. Don't be deceived. Here we are, Galatians 6, if you have your Bible open, verse 7, God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You'll get back what you sow, and you'll get it in abundance. Then verse 9, so don't become weary well-doing. Why? Because you'll reap a harvest of the right thing if you just don't give up. And right now, I, I need to just pause and say, if you're in a punching bag relationship and it's not safe, you need to get out of that or get some distance just to go get the help, you, you need to do that, and we recommend that. We, we endorse that, encourage that. But, but all of us will have bumps in the road somewhere. All of us will have seasons in our lives when, when we say, you know what, this is tough, and I can't go backwards in the relationship. Wish I could do this over. Yeah, I wish you could. We can't. So what do we do now? We set the model for our children from this day forward, knowing that our actions will reap a harvest generationally. Generationally. Thank God you can go forward. And so the question I'm going to leave you with is, is what what future model of the family do you want to hand to your children's children's children. What future do you wanna hand to them? A foundation of great faith. It wasn't perfect, but just a foundation of great faith. High in our hopes for each other, but high in our hopes because of a great God in heaven, a great Lord who's gracious in all of his ways. So foundation of faith and high hopes, and then loving without hesitation, loving without stopping. And with the Lord's help, you can do this. You can hand that to the next generation. You can move forward with a lasting relationship that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Amen? Let's bow together for prayer. And as we pray, would you stand with me?